0: And welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number seventy, we're discussing Star Wars and Marvel news from this past week. I'm Ronnie host Tim. I'm Troy. And we're coming at you guys again with a Skype recording. I am down in Houston, down in Skyhopper territory this week, and we want to make sure we got a good episode out to you guys. So we do apologize if the audio does sound a bit off from what we're usually recording with. Uh, it's still a bit of a foreign area for us, the Skype recording, and we're still working out some of the kinks. So hopefully it sounds all right. And next week, hopefully, we'll be back in the same room because it's been a few weeks since we've actually recorded in the Nerd Room.
1: Yeah, it's been quite some time. Uh, this could be our second episode.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, when so, you know, Tim's actually at Skywalker Ranch. He's not even. He's not working. He's just having a good time with him. George Lucas.
0: Yeah, I wish, man. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, this week we're here to kind of wrap up some of the Star Wars and Marvel news, particularly that we've missed over the last couple of weeks. With Star Wars Celebration, we've had a lot to digest there, a lot to think about. And we missed out on a few things last week as we ran through the Rebels trailer, the Last Jedi trailer, and some of the other big Hasbro and book and comic book news. And we thought we'd kind of revisit some of the smaller things that we didn't cover in a lot of detail, as well as pick up on some of that Marvel news. There's been some big things coming out of the comic book world, as well as the MCU, and also touch on the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. So that's the big expo that happens with us locally here in Calgary. And we just want to talk a bit about what we're excited for, what we're anticipating, and what we're going to be chasing on the floor this week. So it it happens this week, this Thursday through Sunday, and we're pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, I can't wait, man. I love the cosplay chasing out there. It's fantastic at that expo. There's so many great things to do over there, so I can't wait.
0: Yeah, and it's our only real opportunity to attend a local big convention. There's smaller ones, smaller toy-related, collecting-related conventions that we do go to, but this is our real kind of close as we're ever going to get to San Diego Comic-Con without actually physically going down to one of these big Wizard World conventions or something on that scale. So this is a pretty big convention for us and it's there's a lot of hype in the city. There's a lot of people waving those nerd flags. Anyways man, let's kick it into our news segment here. I'm going to start it off here with some Star Wars news. There's a few things that I want to touch on that we didn't exactly get to cover in a great amount of detail last week and one of them being was the Star Wars Forces of Destiny. This is this new initiative that Lucasfilm and Disney are putting forth where it is the stories of the heroines of the Star Wars universe. And it's all about untold canonical stories of those characters and their destinies that they drive towards. And this is going to be including characters like Rey, Ahsoka... Hera, Leia, all of these characters, all these very strong female characters that we haven't seen their full stories told. And these are going to be told in two to three minute segments, they're going to be first airing I believe in July on Disney's YouTube channel, and the fact that they are canon too is pretty exciting. Yeah, it makes it pretty
1: crucial to watch, right, it's a a must watch. Um, I, I can't wait for this, this is pretty cool, I like the clips that we saw, like a little bit of clips there. At celebration, and you know, I've always been a big fan of uh, the Disney—or not the Disney, but the Star Wars shorts—going back to uh, Star Wars Clone Wars, with like the Samurai Jack kind of animation. Yeah, um, it, th- that was a cool hit for me. And actually, you know a uh, Shout out to Rogue Squadron—they kind of got me back into watching. Those uh, those little shorts again. So um yeah, really looking forward to this stuff. I saw Ray what she looks like. I thought she looked incredible in that animation form. So cool.
0: Yeah, the animation looks great, and I like this short form storytelling. We don't need an extended series that tells an elaborate arc or narrative around these characters. These short one hits, two three minutes. There's something you don't have to put a ton of time aside to watch either. You can get your Star Wars fill. You can get these characters that we haven't seen a lot, particularly when it comes to Jin and Ray. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they develop these characters within the universe itself. Because even from some of the clips that we've gotten, we're going to see Rey in that Jakku time frame, again, staying away from The Last Jedi. We're going to see some really interesting concepts around Princess Leia and Hera. There's a story that's going to focus on Princess Leia and Han Solo on the Force moon of Endor. With Harris and Duel, so it puts her canonically all the way up to Return of the Jedi, which is pretty cool when you think about it, right?
1: Oh, that's awesome, man! I mean, that puts her and Rex right there surviving all the way up to Return of the Jedi, at least that we know of. So, yeah, I think that's awesome. I, I can't wait to see that.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a, just a fantastic initiative from Lucasfilm and Disney. And I hope they continue on with these kind of short-form storytelling. You and I are big fans of the way they develop the comic books in these four or five-part miniseries. And I think this is a way that they can expand on a lot of characters outside of comic books or outside of books. And it's just these YouTube shorts. Uh, good animation, good storytelling. I think they can do a lot with this in the future if this is successful.
1: Yeah, i think it's really cool and, and you know it again it's not too time consuming so you don't have to commit too hard to like a novel or a book um another great thing too is they they've committed to all the voice actors so we've got felicity yeah. Hale, go as Jin and obviously daisy Ridley
0: yeah as ashley Eckstein as a tana yeah, yeah it's awesome
1: oh, it's awesome They're it's keeping
0: active. with what they've established in rebels bringing back these voice actors to maintain that character continuity and i think it's such a huge deal for us fans of the continuity, of making sure that these characters sound the same, relatively look the same outside of kind of your animation kind of realm there. But I think it's, it's such a good thing that they're able to maintain this continuity through even these two three-minute YouTube shorts. Like this isn't something that you'd normally have an actress as big as some of these characters or some of these actresses come back to do, but it's awesome that they're committing to these characters and bringing these voice actors or these actresses back into the fold here.
1: Yeah, so cool will you be grabbing the action figures the dolls
0: for, Ooh. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well they, they look a lot like the 12 inch figures or dolls whatever you want to call them that we're seeing right now from rogue one there's a krennic there's the Jin already out there i think there's a vader you know what man they look all right they're they're not fantastic but they're something that I will give a second look to. I don't see myself grabbing these right off the shelves as soon as they drop. And I'm right. not really sure if I am the demographic that they're looking <laughs> at when it comes to selling these. And I'm not trying to pigeonhole these as being female toys versus male toys or anything like that. I yep. think that as far as collecting goes, the six-inch, three-and-three-quarter-inch, that's that's where I'm at. That's my wheelhouse. And like I said, I'm not going to immediately dismiss these but just from the, the first look at them, like the Chewy and the Leia that I saw, not really something that I'm gonna put on my shelves. How about you, man? You thinking about getting into that? No,
1: not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Sticking to that uh, that Black series.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. <Yeah. laughs> Speaking of the Black series, actually, I was I was really looking forward this week to Stars.com announcing the finalists on their three and three quarter inch Fan Choice Award. And this is something that, that they announced at Star Wars Celebration. It was supposed to continue on into this week because last week we saw all the fan sites taking in their votes. And apparently on the 26th, they they're supposed to announce the finalists. I can't find it on Star Wars.com. I may not just be seeing it, but I'm pretty sure it's not there. But all the indications that we're getting from the different fan sites that participated in the initial voting, that was to determine the finalists are showing that Ben Skywalker from Legends is more or less leading the way. This is I've looked at a few different fan sites, and this is the character that seems to come up most consistently along with Dr. Afra. And this has created a little bit of a divide, a little bit of a rift in the collecting community because some people are sitting in the camp of, okay, we've got enough EU characters. The last few fan choice characters that we got being Revan, Sabine, and Jaina Solo, you know, two of the three of those sit in the EU universe, in the Legends universe, the old EU, sorry, and with Ben Skywalker being Luke Skywalker's son, the son of Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker from the old Legends universe, um, and it's it's a bit confusing because you think Ben Solo now because of the Force Awakens and all that. But the division is, you know, people are saying, okay, that's enough of the EU characters. Let's get in some of these comic book characters or these new canonical characters. And there's other people saying, well, this is our only opportunity to get some of these characters. I'm not positive, but I don't think that there is a three and three quarter inch Ben Skywalker anywhere in any sort of line in the past. So this is an opportunity for collectors to fill out some of those Legends kind of holes or gaps in their collections. And I said last week that I really commended... Hasbro for the Janus solo because it shows that, you know, they're committed to giving the fans what they want. They didn't say it has to be in canonical universe. This was any character ever in Star Wars that doesn't have an action figure. So what are your thoughts on kind of this division and whether or not you support a Ben Skywalker versus someone like a Dr. Aphra that's sitting in our our new canonical universe?
1: so do they go back and forth between the three and three quarter and the six inch for this uh, this boat?
0: Yeah, so the last three years was the six inch. Okay. And this year, because of the return of the vintage collection, they're reverting it to the three and three-quarter inch. You know, they're they're kind of propping up this vintage collection that drops in the spring of 2018, and they're they're using this kind of as a promotional too, the same way that they've done this in the past. Like I think this is great. And you know what? If this character is selected in the three, three quarter inch, would they go and do a six-inch? Maybe. Maybe not. I'm not sure. I think that would be a cool way to do it, to do it in both lines. Right. But I think f- as far as I know, as far as I understand, this is purely a three and three quarter inch fan choice award.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, you know, I think I think that's pretty cool, actually. I mean, why not go with um, with uh, Ben Skywalker? I mean, I honestly would rather have Dr. Aphra for a six inch scale, to be honest. I think she's yep. awesome, right? So that's okay by me. And and you know, because their story's been told, it's, it's done. So we're not going to get anything outside of the EU for those characters so why not translate them into a six inch or three three quarter scale Um, I'm totally okay with that and I guess you know obviously it's the it's the fans that speak for this right they're the ones that are making the votes and exactly
0: want Yeah, that, that, that's the camp I'm in. And I, I agree with you fully that I think a character like Dr. Afra or some of the characters from the Aftermath books, like Dr. Bones and that, I said those are the people I'd be putting my votes in. They didn't show up anywhere near any finalist list. But I agree. I think because the Six Inches is where my focus is, that's where your focus is, I'd like to see some of those characters in there. And this is the only opportunity for fans of the Legends universe to get these characters in action figure form. I say do it. Like I support that. Whatever the fans choose whatever the majority picks That's what the fandom is telling you, so that's why you have to do it. Now, whether it's been mobilized to do a Ben Skywalker to kind of put their thumb in the face of Hasbro or Disney and say you should have never reset the universe, I I don't think that's the case at all. I think people just want these characters. We're eventually going to get a Doctor Afro, We're eventually going to get an old man Luke from The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. So these are the type of characters I think we have to worry about getting figures for because they're going to be present for the foreseeable future. But if people want a particular action figure that is never going to come to shelves because it sits outside of canon, I think this is a great opportunity for it, and I fully support them.
1: Yeah, hands down. I think it's a great platform for them to uh, to carry on those characters, for sure.
0: Yeah, and sticking with collecting, stars collecting, just briefly here, I just want to say I finally completed out the vintage card back six-inch first wave here. I, um, yes. I'm one of those suckers that did end up plunging and buying the Vader Legacy Pack. My wife picked it up for me yesterday at retail. Um, I did get the R2 and Han. I can't remember if I talked about this last week or not. And I also ordered the R5-D4, the EB Games GameStop exclusive in this vintage card back. So I've got the whole first wave, including the Luke Skywalker on X-Wing being sent to me by Rob Cass That is currently in the mail. I'm praying that Canada Post or FedEx or whomever he sent it with, does it well, takes care of it, It's it comes in one piece, that's all I'm hoping, but I have the whole first wave either in transit or in my possession right now, and I'm pretty excited about that.
1: Man, that is huge. I can't wait to see those bad boys. Um, are you going to line them up with the Vader display, or are you going to keep those all in the card yeah up. i'm keeping
0: the card backs but my my big contemplation right now is whether or not i'm going to open the vader legacy pack to pull the vader out because the vader is on card back within the legacy box right. Yeah. so right now i am leaning towards pulling him out so we'll right. see and just pulling oh. out the display and maybe doing something a bit different with the display i don't know i have to get i haven't physically held it because i left the day my wife picked it up uh, to nah. come away on business. So I have to look at it and, and get an impression whether or not I want to keep this as a whole piece or is it something that I'm happy to open, display the actual cardboard cutout because like Kyle over Tumbling Saber said, it's a $40 piece of cardboard. <laughs> so maybe I want to put it on display and have the Vader out displayed with the actual vintage Cardback 6-inch figure. So wait and see on that one.
1: Oh, man, I'm excited for you. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, and you can get you can get your first look and drool over the uh, the A New Hope, Rogue One, Vader, and it's probably going to entice you into spending eighty bucks on an action figure.
1: I just, I'm
0: hoping, I'm hoping. I know a couple
1: of guys with the Commonwealth are with me here, but I really do hope they uh, release it as a single uh, figure, the thirty dollars price range. I don't know if they will, though. I mean, who knows?
0: To be honest with you, I would expect it because I was looking on Twitter the other day, and there's a few of the fan sites that were discussing that they are going to release the same figures that we're getting in the vintage Cardback. They're gonna release them as normal Black Series boxed action figures. So that's not a 100% confirmation as far as I know from Hasbro, but these fan sites, they're usually pretty connected into the collecting community, into Hasbro, into reporting information that is more or less correct. So what this leads to is me gonna to have to double buy some of these. <laughs> to maintain the collection but it looks like we're going to get a lot of these released in both the black series box and the vintage card back so them doing a vader is not completely out of the question and to be honest with you with rogue one with the popularity of vader vader in that the popularity of vader in general like it was hard to even get the original i think it was empire strikes back vader in the black series yep. so for them to re-release a vader is just a good thing all around i think for fans and for hasbro as far as <laughs> selling out action figures
1: yeah, I, and I saw a little bit of that figure there. Uh, it looks great. It's it's nothing like the Empire one, actually. They did a lot. It's not even the same body mold. They did a lot of different changes and tweaks with the masks, the helmet, the gloves, everything. It's like a, a whole new figure. So, man, hats off to you. Good job.
0: Awesome. We'll have to pull that out and do a side-by-side comparison because I do have the see? Empire Strikes Back Vader and Black Series. So we can actually do a, a quick look at it and see how much a difference and maybe talk about it next week. Cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's stick with Star Wars here as we kind of plow through the news here. One of the things and one of the big controversies coming out of Star Celebration, I can't remember if this is a follow on or if this happened during Celebration, but Kathleen Kennedy sat down on Good Morning America and she clarified some of the comments that we discussed a few weeks ago from Todd Fisher. Now, this is Carrie Fisher's brother. He stated that Carrie was going to be in Episode 9 in some capacity. Now, whether that was reused footage, whether that was footage that was pushed from Episode 8 into Episode 9, or some kind of CG type recreation, you know, kind of amalgamating things together so you got a story of Leia that ended in episode nine. But Kathleen Kennedy stepped out and said, no, actually, Carrie Fisher is not going to be in episode nine. And she did say Carrie Fisher, not Princess Leia. But, you know, we've been talking about this more or less since she passed about her presence in episode eight and her presence in episode nine. Uh, we've we've stated explicitly that we'd like to see her get a a nice finish, an appropriate finish to her arc. But with Kathleen Kennedy coming out and definitively saying she's not in episode nine, that kind of puts a bit of a boundary on what we're going to see in episode eight. Do you think this is too big of a spoiler for her to be putting out because of the ramifications and the implications for episode eight, or do you think this is something that it's all right to announce these type of things because they're trying to clarify and trying to unmuddle the waters when it comes to this somewhat controversial and somewhat difficult issue to walk around.
1: Yeah, you know this is a this is a funny one. Um, you know, I was actually listening to talk uh, talk Star Wars over there, and I, I had to kind of agree with uh, Mark, I believe, that was talking about the same kind of um, news that broke out. It, it, you know, it is kind of a spoiler because we know, okay, <laughs> she's going to be somehow either killed now in episode. Yeah. Or, or, or they just don't conclude her story. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to. But at the same time, my biggest beef with this whole thing is, right when, uh, is it Todd Fisher? That's the brother? Yeah. Todd Fisher. So when he made this announcement, I feel like Star Wars should have right off the bat come out and tackled the issue. And Kathleen Kennedy herself, even, or whoever uh, from uh, Lucasfilm should just shut down that rumor um, from there. But, you know, we kind of got used to the idea of she is going to appear in episode nine. And we got celebration. And we still, you know, we're thinking, OK, great. He's, she's gonna be in the movie and now we hear afterwards that she comes out and is like no she she's not gonna be in episode nine so i feel like they could have just tackled the issue a little bit earlier
0: or, but, or not at all and just wait okay. until after episode eight I, and, I
1: think so too but i think at the same time she didn't want to like mislead i don't think they want to mislead people thinking that she's gonna be there but you're right i guess if she just didn't say anything at all it would have been okay it's it's a tricky one though
0: really this, yeah because They've been so careful to walk this very fine line. Like they came out immediately and said after her passing that we're not going to digitally recreate her. We're not going to apply this this Tarkin or Rogue One Leia type technology to Carrie Fisher to fill in holes. And then we have you know the announcement that her family are somewhat. Not so much of an announcement, but this kind of hearsay that her family's okay with them using her likeness and these type of things. And then her brother walks out and says, well, she's going to be in episode nine. And then, so they've been batting this around since her death. And something that we've talked almost at nauseam about is whether or not she's going to be in this, how they handle this. Whether it's a recast or digital recreation or using scenes or using voiceover and finding some way to kind of shoehorn her in back into the movie without actually having her physically present. So... Yeah, I think this, I, I'd have to agree. Like, this is a bit too much of a hard stop for me. Um, yeah. this, this is a bit into spoiler territory for episode eight. Because you're going to be sitting there the whole movie, and every time you see her on screen, you're going to be wondering, okay, is this it? Is this, how are they going to do this? Is she going to right. die here? Or how does this affect later on the movie? You know, and like, it's it's, it's, it's like watching a trailer, right? Where you you've seen a particular scene that you're excited for. And it's a big action piece and you're sitting there waiting for it. Like think to Amazing Spider-Man 2. There's all these scenes in it that we knew or we thought we knew were going to be in the film and they never showed up. So you're waiting and then the movie ends and you're thinking like, um, okay, like where did that scene go? And you're kind of feeling a bit empty, and you're kind of, instead of reflecting back on the movie for what it's worth and the story it told, you're thinking about what was already missing from it. And if they end episode eight and don't have a conclusion to Princess Leia's story or general Leia's story, you're going to be sitting there thinking, like, what, what happened there? Like, you're not going to be thinking about how great The Last Jedi was or what stories or what things it answered or whatever it seeds You're going to be thinking about, well, they didn't end the story the way that they said they're going to end it because Kathleen Kennedy said she's not in Episode 9. So it just brings a lot more confusion. And you're thinking about maybe too much when you're sitting in the movie theater as opposed to just focusing in on the story that's being told.
1: Right. Yeah, it it does take away a little bit from the film, especially with a character as, as big as Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher. I mean, like you did say, she did say Carrie Fisher won't show up. So who knows what they could do. With Leia herself, but it's it's going to be tricky, and I just feel like they were making all the right moves up until this point.
0: Yeah, so. th- this muddles the water more than necessary. I think I think that it's either address it right away, like you said, is is do a statement correction right after her brother said that, or yes. just wait. Yes. And and let let this happen later on. And so it's hard. Like, how do they address it? Like, it's, again, it's the same thing we've talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks is that this is a difficult situation. How do you actually address it? And I guess they're doing the best they can. You can't blame them. They're damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they hadn't have told us until after episode eight, we'd be like, what do you mean? He said this. And so I don't I don't think there's a win situation here. I think it's just they're trying their best. And we just have to trust what they're doing with the character, with the story but maybe we'd hope in the future that they walk a bit finer line when it comes to spoilers. I guess that's all I can really ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you. Speaking about Episode 9, we got the release date. It was officially announced on Star Wars.com that Episode 9 will be coming to us on May 24th, 2019. And this aligns with the shift that Lucasfilm that Star Wars is doing back to their May time slots because Han Solo comes out almost a year before that on May 25th, 2018. So we've expressed this a lot, so we're not gonna go a ton of depth here, but we favor, and I think a lot of fandom favors, this December time slot. It's an event viewing. It's something before the holidays. I'm not gonna go into detail because I've already expressed how much I love this. But them shifting back to May and restaking kind of this end of May because Marvel seems to have taken up the first part of May and Star Wars is now sucking up the last part of May. So May becomes Disney's month. Are you all right with this? Or do you think that maybe they need to rethink this? Like I don't there's nothing you and I are gonna change here. <laughs> but realistically. <laughs> but not. this this official announcement, this this puts a stake there for the next two years. We're getting May release May Star Wars releases.
1: Yeah, this is this is funny. Like I don't understand why they would switch it. From the December release, at least with the main canon or the the, the main saga uh, movies, because they've been cleaning up on December. Yeah. And you know, when you start moving closer to May, you got to compete with like the DC movies and the Fox movies, and obviously they'll plan the Marvel movies a little bit afterwards. You know, there could be a couple of Jurassic Park movies with the Universal launching their whole yeah. um, MonsterVerse. I don't know why they're trying to compete with all that stuff. I mean, it's Star Wars, but still, you're you're going to be losing some money yeah. in May. December was perfect. And like we've mentioned before, it's like that um, tradition kind of season and all the families are gathered up to go check stores. So I'm kind of scratching my head over this one.
0: And they're not really running away from Avatar because Avatar did announce 2345 will be falling in December, but in December 2020, 21, 24, 25. So this saga story would have been completed before Avatar comes back into theaters. And you look at Frozen 2, it comes out November 27th, 2019. So they're, they'd be far enough offset from that. So I, I really don't know exactly what they're trying to do as far as staking May. Because May is Marvel season as far as I'm concerned. Like you get right. Avengers Infinity War on May 4th, 2018, and you get Infinity War Part 2, or whatever it's going to be called, Infinity Gauntlet, uh, May 3rd or 5th or whatever, 2019. So you're going to have, for two years in a row, you're going to have a big Marvel event movie followed by a Star Wars movie. And that's a, that's a lot. And when I look at it from even a collecting perspective, you're going to get all your infinity war action figures, all of your Star Wars action figures. And I know not everyone collects Star Wars and Marvel, but you and I both do. So we're going to be seeing a massive amount of merchandise dropping all at the same time. Like the Disney store is going to be corner to corner packed full of these things, trying to promote two huge movies at the same time is going to be difficult. Again, I know they fall in different realms and different worlds, but there's a lot of overlap and a lot of fan overlap there. So, yeah. you, you know, you kind of cannibalizing yourself. They are a month apart almost or 20 some odd days, but to me that's still not enough. Like if you like look how much the merchandise brings in and the promotion matters for these movies and there's going to be major overlap. You're not going to not promote Star Wars until Infinity War comes out. Or vice versa, like you're just—it's gonna have to be overlapping. You're gonna have world premieres, kind of crunching in together. It's gonna be really difficult, I think.
1: Yeah, I I just don't understand. I really wish I was like the fly on the wall in that when those board meetings and when they're figuring out like when they plan on dropping these movies, because I just feel like they own December. They really just had a stamp down, and December was Star Wars, you know. Yeah. So, well, I guess the reason Star Wars came out in May—that used to be their thing, but.
0: Yeah, but that was 40 years ago.
1: Right. Yeah. I I, I just, I really don't understand it. I mean, maybe they'll take a little bit of a break and then they'll come back with episode 10, 11, 12 in December, but still, why? Why bother when you can own it now?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And this also crunches with the, the move of Han Solo to May. This crunches episode eight and Han Solo within six months of each other. So again, when you look from a collecting perspective, you're going to have a massive overlap of Episode Eight figures that usually have about a year on the pegs and infill with different waves from, as we've seen with Rogue One, we're starting to see more of prequel into OT figures kind of coming in and taking up some of the, the, the pegs there. But you still do see this lingering effect of The Force Awakens even. So now you're collapsing two movies in on each other. And I guess if you have to pull the trigger at some point, this is the time to do it. Yeah, I'm right with you there. Like, I just don't see the point of it. But one other nice thing that came out of this too with Lucasfilm is they also announced a another movie that will be dropping on July 10th, 2020, and that is Indiana Jones 5, starring Harrison Ford and directed by Steven Spielberg. This was a, a bit of a shock to me. I, I-, I know they had talked about this coming out in 2019, and... I never really thought it was going to happen. I thought it was a bit of a pipe dream. Um, the return to the Indiana Jones franchise after what most fans feel was not really a great performance in Indiana Jones 4. Uh, when you look at it relative to the to the original trilogy films. And I, I just never thought it was going to happen. But I'm pretty excited about this. And the fact that Harrison Ford's returning, he's going to be almost 75, I think, by the time this comes out maybe a little Ow. older i don't know like this is uh this is gonna be interesting to watch i i really do hope they do like a, a passing of the torch or a proper passing of the torch i know shia labeouf was supposed to take that in indiana jones 4 and they kind of alluded a lot to that uh, maybe you'll have another son or something like that but they need to pass this franchise on to someone younger they can take up that mantle and it's going to be interesting to see how they evolve this and what they do. With Harrison Ford, if they actually kill Indiana Jones, like is Harrison Ford running around trying to kill every character he's ever played, so that when he passes eventually, that he knows that none of his characters will ever be recast or recreated? But I guess you're getting Han Solo. But <laughs> uh, we'll have
1: to see. Yeah, but that news dropped out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that one.
0: No, yeah. no. But it was it's cool to uh, to see them announcing lots of movies, and I'm I'm pretty excited about all of it. <laughs> Um, One last piece of Star Wars news here that we'll get into before we jump into a bit more of the Marvel news. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week in reference to the action figure, the Inferno Squad pilot. Uh, We know there's a book coming here, and we had a chance to actually sit down and watch the trailer. And I'm not so much a gamer, so I'm going to kind of throw this over to you and to give your thoughts on this game, the gameplay, the campaign mode, and what you think think of this from the trailer perspective. Because watching it, I'm excited about it. I'm more excited to sit and maybe watch while having a beer. What are your thoughts on this coming from like a gamer's perspective?
1: Yeah, um, you know, cinematically, this looks fantastic, this game. And the music, you know, they always hit right with the music. Um, I'm excited for this one. The, the last uh, video game was a letdown. I mentioned it before. And a lot of gamers feel the same way that uh, the campaign mode, the story mode is lacking. It wasn't even existing, really. So the fact that they have a campaign mode and the fact that you're playing through the Imperial uh, eyes is cool because you and I here are both huge, huge fans of Lost Stars and they yeah. capture the uh, the good and the bad in there. So I can't wait to do that. And um, yeah, it looks cool. Cool. I'm interested to see actually how Rey plays in this game. I know it's not necessarily canon what she does in it, but just to see her with the lightsaber because we've never really seen how she uses the lightsaber. Apart from Episode 7, we haven't really seen her go full out Jedi. So to see her uh, gameplay, I'm really curious because we all know how Darth Maul plays, we all know how Yoda plays off of um, Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones, but we don't really know what it's like to be Rey with the lightsaber. So basically it'll be interesting to see how Rey plays because we've never experienced her lightsaber combat skills really outside of Episode 7, but she was still kind of like an amateur. So I don't know if they're going to go full on Jedi in here because in other video games, such as Ray playing in Disney 2.0 Infinity. I don't think she even has a lightsaber. She's just using her staff. So we've never really experienced gameplay with Rey. So that's one of my biggest things I'm most looking forward to doing in this game. And obviously being able to control Kylo Ren. It's Kylo Ren's last shot in that, that video yeah. game trip It's incredible. Like, so good. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it should be good. It's interesting because um, I'm not entirely certain what is canon when it comes to video games or not. and. Right whether the campaign mode in this is actually canonical versus the whatever it is the gameplay so yeah the multiplayer that's for sure not canon but i'm curious if the campaign mode actually is canon at least the story they're telling integrating the inferno squadron and what they kind of do around those time frames so uh, that's something that we should look into a bit more if there's a listener out there that is a bit more aware of what is actually canon when it comes to video games, as far as Star Wars goes?
1: I, I believe the campaign in this is canon. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, so all throughout it will connect with the, with the book and what have you. But I think this is the first game we're actually getting uh, since the Disney buy-in that it's um, that's canon. Okay. Uh, yeah. So basically, like the, the old Republic game that's out there, the big massive multiplayer online game, that's not canon. Uh, all the all the other old games have been wiped out, much like the EU. So. This is our first step in the canon realm.
0: Well, that makes it a bit more intriguing because you <laughs> yeah. either have to shoulder watch this or yeah, actually play it. Because I need to get my my full Star Wars canon here. So especially because I'm I'm gonna be committing myself to this book once I get through all the other books I need to get through. Because um, well, I'd Time like to I'd like to learn a bit more about the Inferno Squadron and kind of finish out this New Hope Rogue One era before we get into the the Last Jedi era there or the Force Awakens era. Uh, in a bit more detail with the books but yeah i'm gonna have to maybe commit to this a bit i don't know
1: yeah i'm gonna pre-order it pretty soon actually so keep it locked right here for more details on that game
0: awesome awesome well when we take this opportunity to shut down our star wars talk for this week and jump into marvel we spent a lot of time in the galaxy far far away in the last couple weeks with celebration lots of announcements coming out and we've ignored some of the bigger news coming out of one of our other favorite franchises, and that's Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Now, this is a movie that's coming out next week. I am immensely excited for this. We're going to be talking on our next podcast, a little prelude episode to try to warm you up to the Guardians of the Galaxy, give you a little bit of insight into the comics. But for this week, we're going to talk a bit about the world premiere and the initial reactions for this movie. It premiered in LA or wherever on April nineteenth, and you could have watched that live. I watched a bit of the red carpet, so that was pretty cool to see. And generally the reactions coming out of this are very positive. This is sitting currently at eighty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Again I don't like to use this as a full gauge, but it is a relative look at most critics that do review consistently these type of movies. So that's kind of why i use that i use my own personal sense i don't base what how my enjoyment off of what the public thinks but this is an all right gauge and just hearing what people are talking about you know it's it's a beautifully shot movie the color palette's great it's funny it captures a lot of what we loved about the original guardians as far as the comedy the emotional stakes the action sequences so hearing all this, this gets me just that much more amp for this movie. How are you feeling about this a week out?
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, I really was uh, thoroughly um, surprised when I first saw the first Guardians. I didn't really know anything about the characters, and uh, I, I really liked it. I really liked that movie, so I'm excited to see this. I'm, i I'm, I'm, you know, everything you mentioned is great, but I'm hoping that the music's on par with the last.
0: Apparently, the last it, apparently, it's fantastic. Oh, also, okay. like the, the the soundtrack is on par or better than the original the original is always probably going to be the best but this meets those expectations that were set before
1: oh i can't wait then um yeah so so i'm totally excited No, i i like everything you've seen so far with like drax i think he's he's my he's my favorite uh guardian for sure everybody has their favorite um i'm sure we're gonna get a lot of baby group yes and um yeah i'm just totally excited i really really love like the color that's going on throughout this film, especially with this and with uh, Thor Ragnarok. So then, I can't wait to see this movie May fifth.
0: May fifth, yeah, yeah. Also, really, really looking forward. To, I guess yeah, that is next week. <laughs> I get my weeks are all confused. I've been on a million planes in the last couple of weeks, and I'm just all over the place. I don't know if I'm here or there. I don't even know exactly what day it is today <laughs> but yeah i agree i this this is i'm just amped up for this apparently there's a whole bunch of easter eggs and cameos in this that set up things for the future and set up the marvel cosmic universe sets up a bit of infinity war i haven't looked in any of that and we're not going to spoil any of that this week or next week we're going to leave that for a theater going experience but this is was i think my second most anticipated movie of the year and this just keeps it right there for me. I'm, I'm excited to get into this. And it's going to be another great installment into this individual franchise. But also, I think it's going to do a lot for integrating the Guardians into the wider MCU. They kind of had their own standalone movie here with Infinity War coming. we have getting a lot of little information about that, how this is going to integrate into it. I try to stay away from that for the most part because I'm worried about spoilers. But one of the other things that that was announced, it's not really a spoiler or anything, is that James Gunn is also going to be helming Volume 3 of Guardians of the Galaxy, which will be set after Avengers Infinity War. So dealing with the cosmic fallout of Avengers Infinity Saga, if you will. That's an exciting announcement because there was some ambiguity as to whether he was going to be coming back and revisiting these characters. And he just came out and said, look, these are characters I care about. I've done a lot with these. I want to finish out this trilogy I believe this is going to be the first director that's consistently helmed a, an MCU trilogy, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes. Yes, I would say so. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Yeah, because Cap went through, uh, well, they had...
0: Joe Johnson and the Russo yeah. brothers and so. Back, back.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, and you know, that goes to show that Marvel obviously has confidence in James Gunn once again uh, in the first movie or the second movie now that he's done to bring him back for the third film. So um, that's good. I, I really feel James Gunn just has such a handle on characters oh, yeah. character, this universe, to do these, uh, these guys. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to see this film.
0: Yeah, it's great news. Look forward to talking about it next week, the same way we've talked about Logan in the past with the comic books and trying to predict a few things coming out of this. And then we'll be doing our full review in two weeks' time once we've had, a, me personally, enough time to sit down and watch it. Because unfortunately, one way or another, I'm going to miss out on our, our normal debut night kind of tradition because i'm going to be flying off to las vegas (laughs) poor me right (laughs) speaking about marvel movies we're going to shift over into the fox universe and they made a fairly large announcement there's a lot of ambiguity and confusion as to what movies we're going to drop in what scheduled time slots as far as release dates and they decide to announce everything at once, kind of unceremoniously and out of nowhere. So we're getting three X-franchise movies in 2018. And the studio officially confirmed them to be New Mutants, which will drop on April 13th, 2018. Deadpool 2, which will be in cinemas on June 1st. And X-Men Dark Phoenix. So that will be coming to us on November 2nd, 2018. This is a, basically a single sentence. And it tells us a lot of what they're doing here. So this New Mutants, this isn't a movie. I thought this was going to be a TV show. And it looks like it's going to be a full feature-length movie. It's going to be focusing in on a new class of teenage mutants going to Xavier school for the gifted youngsters. I thought that's kind of what we got at the end of X-Men Apocalypse. Um, I don't know when this is going to be set, if this is going to be in continuity, if we should even worry about that. But what are your kind of thoughts here on these announcements, both from the New Mutants and the official title of the next installment of this new X Men timeline, following on from X Men Apocalypse?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I remember for the longest time it's floating around. What's that mystery movie that's coming out? I remember at one point we all speculated it's Gambit, but Gambit's obviously yeah. Um, so the first one to drop that year, it's
0: um, is it mm-hmm. X Men? It's New Mutants that drops oh, first sorry, in the year. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. So I, I think they're trying to get a grasp of building continuity here. I, at least I would imagine that's what they're going to try and do. You could probably sprinkle um, Cable in the New Mutants a little bit there. He's obviously going to be in Deadpool. And I think the only tricky thing is is the Dark Phoenix movie when that comes out. Because I, I think Fox needs to kind of make these movies all connect. They, they got the Wolverine out of the way and they got their first Deadpool movie out of the way by kind of having those loosely um, around the same universe as the other ones. Their timelines have always been kind of jacked, but I think now they have a chance to really put things right once again. Um, New Mutants, actually, of all these movies is what I'm most excited for. Because after Apocalypse, I really just kind of lost interest in the X-Men universe. Um, viewers out there that have listened to us before know I wasn't the biggest uh, <laughs> fan of Logan. I mean, it's, it's not a horrible film, It's just it just didn't hit me like it hit everybody else. Um, Deadpool was obviously great last February that we got, which was so cool. So I'm excited for those two films, Deadpool 2 and New Mutants. But um, I just I just really want to see Cable. I, I just, That's what I'm looking forward to the most. And New Mutants will be cool. Um, Dark Phoenix was a really cool book, I believe, that went down. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was good. And, you know, it's, it's funny because Brian Singer has kind of been teasing Dark Phoenix for a while, but he's never really had the chance to do it. He, he teased it in X2 but he didn't get to do it in the next movie. And then he teased it again in Apocalypse, but he's not coming back to do this Dark Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. But yeah, I, I can't wait to see uh, New Mutants and uh, Deadpool 2. What, what are you thinking over there? Uh,
0: you know what, man? I, I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite end here when it comes to the continuity because I have a feeling that all three of these movies are going to take place in different eras. When you right. look at the storytelling that they do at Marvel Studios and DC right now, it's it's very linear storytelling where they have a movie and the follow-on, for the most part, is a movie that comes at least timeline wise after the movie that preceded it. So you're building forward. So when you've seen Civil War, the following movie you know is going to reference those events or at least there's going to be implications for the universe going forward. And Star Wars has usually been like that, but now that they're going back and having this somewhat non-linear franchise storytelling with Rogue One, with Han Solo, so they're they're kind of going down this path anyways where we don't have this forward-moving narrative through the franchise. And... I think there's going to be a lot of confusion here with the X-Men because, particularly with the comic book movie universes, it is forward-moving narrative. And if right. you have New Mutants set present day, 2016, whenever, you have Deadpool set whenever, maybe around the same timeline, and then we're going to go way back into the 80s or early 90s with the Dark Phoenix movie, it's going to be confusing because there's going to be no continuity of even characters and then the other thing that usually hinge these things on is continuity of story or narrative. And not having any of those, it kind of disassociates the individual films into their own universes, into their own franchises. So it all comes down to what you want to watch. If you just want to watch a good comic book movie, these are probably, if, if they're done well, that's the big caveat, if they're done right. well, if they have a good story and, and good acting and all that, But this is the universe for you. If you just want to go in and watch New Mutants because you like the X-Men universe and you like the powers and all that they bring, I think that whole kid mutant thing in Logan was one of the weakest parts. So they're going to really have to work to get me interested in New Mutants. To be honest with you, Deadpool 2, of course, is up there. But this Dark Phoenix, I liked how Apocalypse finished. Not the story, but it finished with a cohesive 90s-looking X-Men. And if they can take that... And with a new director and produce something that gives us a solid foundation for a forward-moving story with characters like Cyclops, Jean Grey. These are the characters that I'm used to and I want to see. And I think if they can use that, what they built there, as muddled as that movie was, it did have some solid acting, solid characters And I think if they could build a universe around that, I think it could be quite successful. So for me right now, Deadpool aside, I think that Dark Phoenix is is more important, at least to me, and I'm more anticipating than New Mutants because I just don't know what New Mutants is going to be all about. It's going to be the same story we've seen over and over again about kids who have powers, who are confused, don't know what they're doing. They go see Charles Xavier. They feel better. They fight some other mutant that has yeah. bigger powers that wants to take over the universe or take over the world. And then everyone kind of high fives at the end and we're done. I don't really <laughs> want to see another movie like that. I want to see something different or I want to see a movie that is built around the nineties X-Men characters. So, so it, is it nineties? They, they confirmed, I guess, basically
1: that's been the trend with the Brian Singer stuff. It, it goes up every 10 years. So yeah, in the
0: 90s now? I, I don't know. They might go to the late eighties, but it's the nineties characters, right? It's, yeah your Cyclops with the blue and yellow it's Nightcrawler it's Jean Grey yeah Quicksilver we're gonna get Jubilee yeah all these type characters that I think people want to see and are used to seeing and we've never really got that that full movie translated 90s X-Men cartoon and that's kind of what I want and I think that's what they're hinting at in X-Men Apocalypse at the end there when they had them all lined up finally in their colorful costumes not in the black leather and I think if they just move forward with that, they, they could produce something good. They just need a good story and a, a good solid director that can direct both action and develop characters.
1: That's the thing I'm worried about because I believe it's Simon Kemper who's done the oh, writing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's directing. I think this is he hasn't directed much, so that kind of worries me. The second thing is the X-Men franchise, they've never done space. And if you're doing this Dark Phoenix one, you've got to bring these characters into space. So I'm kind of worried about that. Um you know, for the new mutants, though, it could be kind of cool because we haven't seen them really pull off, like, these teenager mutants yet. You know, no. when we first saw the X1 and X2, they were, like, adults, you know? But we haven't seen them deal with, like, these young mutants. So I don't know. And, and I guess we got to bring in James McAvoy, too. In mutants. Yeah. we got to have both, right? So we'll see. I guess i got to just know a little bit more about uh, about these franchises. I guess I'm, I have 100% faith in Deadpool 2, I could say.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't even consider it. I'm not worried about that at all. Like, just from, right. from the teaser that we've, we we got at the start of Logan, like, I know yes. that's in good hands, and they know what they're doing. They found their niche. I'm not worried about that at all. Like, that's going to be a great movie. Highly anticipated. It's these other yeah. two. Like, even, I don't know, this this young mutant thing. Like like I said, in Logan, it wasn't great. In the X-Men Origins Wolverine, they had a lot of young mutant kids. That wasn't great. Even, like, in X-1 and that, the rogue ice, uh, Bobby Iceman and um what the, what, what's his name bobby drake <laughs> bobby drake <laughs> um bobby and pyro drake. stuff like i i felt that again was some of the weaker stuff right like I, yeah. I i don't know i just i think spider-man fills that niche of struggling teenager with powers yeah um, i don't need a whole bunch of angsty teens running around with different superpowers trying to solve all the world's problems like i i kind of like that adult mutant with, like, I see how you can leverage the younger characters. And right. I I don't know, man. I'm kind of rambling now because I, I just get so <laughs> flustered with this franchise.
1: <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm right there with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be a pretty packed 2018 because we're going to get three X-Men movies or X-Universe movies. We're going to get three MCU movies plus whatever DC decides to drop it. So we're going to have probably at a bare minimum between those three franchises... We're gonna have three, six, nine, ten, and then there's the Sony. I think there's two Sony movies: the Venom and the Miles Morales, or Old whatever. Miles Morales. Yeah. So we're looking yeah. at at least ten different wow. comic book movies, and that's not including anything that comes from the periphery either. So that's a that's a lot of comp. That's almost one every single month. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty wild. That might be our our saturation point. That might be where we see the peak of comic book movies, and then we may end up tumbling down kind of the other side where universes reset and they kind of reframe these characters to produce separate or more cohesive universes based around different characters as actors kind of jump off the MCU and the DC Cinematic Universe and these type of things. So we could be going through somewhat of an evolution period into 2019, 2020, where we see a lot of shifting and changing of focus of studios into characters like Deadpool, the new X-Men, Black Panther, Ant-Man, these type of characters. So it's going to be an interesting couple of years, definitely for the comic book movie world.
1: Always anticipating that. Yes, sure.
0: definitely. And quickly before we get to a short discussion about the Calgary Common Entertainment Expo, I want to talk about Marvel Comics here. So two things, two big things that they've done over the past couple of weeks is one that I'm extremely excited about is they they've walked back and reverted their digital comic book formatting. So in February, they took away their their original you-get-a-digital-copy-when-you-buy-a-physical-copy and replace that with a promotional tool that was when you buy a book, you don't get a digital copy for that. You actually get three other books, which is pretty cool in itself because it gives you a bit more of, of a wide breadth of exposure to different stories, whether it's Thor or Inhumans or something that maybe you wouldn't normally pick up. But it really ticked me off because I'm a big fan of Reading physical, putting them in the boards and bags, collecting them, and revisiting in the digital format. I felt that that 3.99 dollars price tag was justified even more because of that. And they went two, three months with that. There's a big outcry from fandom. And they've actually stepped back and said, okay, we're going to revert back to this, but you also get those three free comics as well. So we're getting the best of both worlds with this. And I think this is a good move by Marvel. It makes me extremely happy because I'm getting my digital copies back. There's going to be a little gap in the collection, but that's okay. And I'm able to still take them traveling. I'm able to still take them on the road and read them kind of in a trade format when I'm revisiting if I haven't read a book in a couple of months, just so I can get that continuity of story kind of back in my head without peeling open the bags and boards. I know you're not a big digital reader, but... I, I can assume that you're happy for me on this one.
1: <laughs> oh, 100%, 100%, man. You know, especially like you mentioned, you know, traveling back and forth, it's it's so convenient to just go on your iPhone or your Samsung, or your Android, and, and read these comics again, right? I mean, actually, this week I've experienced it because I've gone back to a certain comic book pick of the week, and I had to go in my basement and, and go through my, my short boxes and all that <laughs> and think through these things. And I had to pull them out of everything and then repackage them. And I was like... Uh, you know, that's kind of what been nice on digital yes. platform right now. You know, so yeah, I, I feel you, and I'm glad Marvel listened to uh, to everyone out there yeah. and, and decided to go this route. It's good.
0: Yeah, and they they continue to listen to fandom because I've been squawking here on the podcast for the last year or so about where Marvel's taken their comic book story arcs and how they've gone through kind of this evolution and transitional period of of changing out their status quo and their, their foundational characters like Hulk and Iron Man, Captain America. And they've gone through a period of reinventing and reframing them into younger heroes and taking our, our traditional Iron Man, Tony Stark, and replacing him with Riri Williams. And I'm not saying that I don't like this. I just want it to be in addition or supplementary to the stories that I'm familiar with. I like Tony Stark as Iron Man. I like Bruce Banner as Hulk. And Marvel announced at C2E2 this past weekend, at their Marvel Next Big Thing panel, they're going to be putting out an event or a relaunch um, called Marvel Legacy. And this is going to be coming out in the fall, I believe, after Secret Empire. So that's the big comic book event that is dominating Marvel right now. And I'm actually pretty excited for that one. But they're going to be kicking off this Marvel Legacy with a 50-page one-shot. Now, this is going to set the scene for the the new universe over the next couple years, and it's going back to Marvel's roots. It's kind of resetting everything, or if you want to put it in a familiar term, we're going through a rebirth at Marvel. Um, DC's seen a lot of success with this, going back to their roots and going back to their their status quo, and that's what this Marvel legacy is going to be doing. It's going to be structured as a great entry point. They say this with every relaunch and all this. But this, to me, seems real. It seems like they, they've, they've done this two, three, four years of experimentation, and they've, they've heard the fans, they understand what they can do, what sort of liberties they can take with characters, and they're going back and reinstating Thor Odin's they're, they're Steve Rogers coming back, Tony Stark as Iron Man. I really want to get your opinion on this Marvel Legacy, this event-style rebirth or, or retooling, and I also want to talk about a few things that we want to see come out of this as Marvel fans. So, first, Troy, just let me know your thoughts here and then we'll go into kind of what we want to see. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's a little bit of fatigue
1: here going on with Marvel. They keep uh, resetting things and switching the status quos around all over the place and now it, it feels like they, they really want to put their legacy heroes back in the forefront and, and get Steve Rogers where he used to be and get Tony back in the armor and maybe bring Peter Parker back into the career that he used to have. and We'll have to see. So um, I'm I'm excited. I just I just hope this is it though. You know because it's every year it's become volumes, it's become seasons, of of these yeah. reboots and launches, right? And and DC's done such a great job over there that you know Marvel can't help but take note of what they're doing. But I hope this is it from here on in, and we just we just get pure legacy building as opposed to who's underneath the costume this
0: time. Yeah, know? exactly. So so what do you want to see? If there's let's say three or five things that you want to see come out of this. You know, what, just throw a, me a quick list out there of, wh- of what you think or what you hope Marvel is going to do by retooling and revamping Marvel Comics in this, this legacy style event or going forward. This all new, all different Marvel legacy.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think they've always already made whispers of it, but I'm hoping they do. It's the renumbering, but not renumbering back to one, it's renumbering and carrying off of current. Uh, numbering so for instance spider-man ended at 700 i, ne- I guess with all these reboots it probably put it put it to damn near 800 so i hope they go back to the 800 mark like what uh, uh dc comps has done with um Act- action comics and detective comics just go back to the original numbering i think that'd be awesome because we're at a point now where it's like you know what People don't just jump in off number ones. People do pick up number ones, but that's not everybody's first comic book was a number one. So, these whole like, well, we gotta get new viewers in, or new, new readers in with the number one. Like, no, you don't have to do that. You know, just have great, great stories. You've been doing it for years beforehand. So, I hope that's a big thing for me. Um, the Avengers, I hope they stick to a core team of Avengers and keep them that way for a long, long time. You know, they, they keep switching these Avengers, like, in and out. It's, it's hard to even keep up with. Um, the X Men. I hope they tighten them up a little bit too, because we have so many X Men books, that I know it's always been that way. But I just I feel X Men is kind of hard to keep up with. When you have X Men Blue, X Men Gold, X Men um, Astonishing X Men, and then they did the X Men Prime, I think. So just give me you know two solid, three most X Men books.
0: And yeah. that's
1: and that's really about it, you know. And, and 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 maybe they could they could do some switching around with Spider-Man's uh, writers over there. Dan Slott's been great for the most part, but I think he's starting to kind of run a little stale now after the Clone Spirit Conspiracy. It was kind of a letdown. I think they need to put in some new blood into uh, into the Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man books, for sure.
0: Right on, like, yeah, I think we're, we're fairly well aligned on your few points there. Like, I'm very much hoping that with this new legacy, that they end this relaunching, they end the renumbering, The reframing of characters, and like you said, this season's thing. Let's just get into larger arcs, continuous stories, and maybe take a break from these universe-changing events for a little while. You know, when we go back to the Bendis era, the 2000s and that, I like what they're doing with the events there. They had larger arcs in between events, and what happened way early on in the books really mattered for the end. Or even if you go back to Hickman's run on Avengers, it seeded different things that mattered for the end of the book. I want to see more long running arcs. And I agree with you too. Let's decrease the number of books and focus on quality over quantity. I still think that continuity is key, but we don't need five Avengers books. We don't need four X books. We don't need every Guardian to have their own standalone book as well as the team book. Let's condense the writing, condense the storytelling into very good high quality books with high quality writers and artists on them and then from there build out even in these five issue miniseries, four issue miniseries like we're seeing at Star Wars. Like I know Star Wars has a lot less books, but they've kept it fairly streamlined. There's a couple ongoing and you have these miniseries that fill in the gaps here and there with particular characters. And I I can acknowledge the fact that yes that the Marvel universe is much bigger as far as comic books and the Star Wars universe, but you can take some notes from there as far as how they develop those ongoings as single, long-running arcs that have implications, that have these small times, these crossovers, and then they've picked up little things here and there to tell other stories in different eras. I think that works really well, and they can apply that back to Marvel Comics. Start with your core and move out from there. And Speaking about core, one of the big things that needs to come about this is A reunited and a shift back to the roots for the Avengers. Avengers has always been one of my favorite books. I I need a cap Iron Man, Thor-led Avengers to go back to what it was before. And even if you want to start with your MCU characters, Vision and all these type to get people into this, I'm okay with that. And then leverage the comic book-based characters into this group after. But they need to go back to the fundamentals of the avengers because that's always been one of the flagship books and i feel at least for me recently i haven't been really digging the new avengers team like i'm just not fully into it
1: that's exactly what i'm talking about the art and the story even of just the team itself I'm
0: just yeah 100%. it's the, it's all about the team and the team like yes it has evolved all through time we've had iterations where it's cap quicksilver scarlet witch and a few others and you know, Hercules is there like and I and I acknowledge the fact that the importance of the Avengers books is that it's a constantly evolving team and that's one of its strengths, but another strength is just having that consistent core. And we haven't had that for a while and that's what I really want. And the biggest thing coming out of this that I, I really need is I need Marvel to make me really care about their stories. And and frankly, make me care about Marvel comics again. I've struggled with this a lot more than I ever imagined I would. And I've I've come back on here when we do a comic book picks a week and and highlighted certain aspects of Marvel Comics that I am really enjoying right now, and Steve Rogers is one of them. But I used to be at the comic book shop every single week. I used to be just trying to get every piece of of Steve Rogers' story, of Avengers, everything, so I understood this whole universe in a great amount of depth. I haven't been doing that for probably too long. And I need them to capture my attention and bring me back into the folds here with good storytelling, condensed storytelling, and not ask me to buy 15 books a week to understand what's going on in the Avengers storyline. I need one book. and I need a Guardians book. I just need them to go down and say, look, we're going to relaunch this with 20 good books or even less, 15 good books. You choose your universe and you go from there. We're not going to throw... 30 new number ones at you every week for three months. Like, I, I can't do that. That I just get lost. And, you know, even as a comic book reader, I become overwhelmed. And so I can't imagine what it's like to, to be someone that's trying to get into comic books when you have that. So that's what they need to do. They need to recapture the audiences and they need to just streamline everything that they're doing and go back to the basics. And I think they're getting there. I hope they can follow through with this. And this is, again, another wait and see. So speaking of, of comic books, let's, let's quickly jump into our comic book picks of the week. We haven't done this for a couple of weeks, and I just want to hear what you're reading here right now, man, because like I, like I said, I'm having, I'm having some issues again, but there are, there are some highlights here. Are you, are you going DC or Marvel this week? I'm back to Marvel,
1: man. Like I mentioned uh, back in our digital uh, little discussion there, I've gone back through my short boxes and picked up. Spider-Man Back in Black. This thing really got me into comic books hard. Uh, it's a great little um, four-part, five-part miniseries there with Spider-Man back in his black suit. It takes place right after Civil War, and he has some major issues with the Kingpin. It's everything you've known about Spider-Man and throw it out the window, because this guy is back in black for a reason. It's, it's a great book. Um, a great writer, uh, JMS, who's been doing Spider-Man for a while back there, um, that's Michael Straczynski, um, just has such a good hold on that character, and I wish he'd come back and write more Spider Man. So that's my comic books pick of the week.
0: <laughs> awesome. I love revisiting old arcs and old stories. Kind Once in a while, periodically, going back to that long box and picking out something old. Um, Absolutely. For me, I'm staying current. Uh, I'm not going to talk in any detail about this one because I don't want to spoil anything, but it's Secret Empire number zero, and that came out last week. I've really been enjoying this Steve Rogers arc, and this is the event that it's been building towards. We basically get the reveal of Steve Rogers, his whole plan to the whole world about what he's been doing in this new kind of changed universe of his. And like I said, no details, but this is the, kind of like the last big event before going into Marvel Legacy. So if you've been reading the Steve Rogers book, you're clearly into this. I would recommend going and getting that whole Steve Rogers arc because you need that for the Secret Empire. This isn't an event you could just jump into right away without having any sort of background. But yeah, that's my comic book pick of the week. Secret Empire number zero. Go check it out for sure. It's on comic book stands right now. And make sure to go back and check out the whole Captain America Steve Rogers arc.
1: I can't wait to get my hands on that book, man. I've been loving what they've been doing with yeah. this whole Hydra alliance there. Oh, so good.
0: So good. All right, man. In the last few minutes here, I know we've kind of condensed this down to only a couple of minutes left, but we're going to just quickly run down a bit what we're excited for for the Calgary Expo. That is the big comic and entertainment expo that happens yearly in Calgary around May time. April-May time. It usually comes out about a week before the Marvel release in May. And I just want to quickly get your thoughts on what you're excited for. We've got a lot of people coming to the Expo this year. It's, it's becoming a bigger and bigger draw for big-name guests. And some of it seems a bit random, but at the same time, the good, consistent people or actors, creators coming from all sorts of different eras and sex of nerddom. Like we've got Billy D. Williams, Jeremy Renner, Nathan Fillion, Kevin Smith, Stanley, and Todd McFarlane. Who are you looking forward to at this year's Calgary Expo?
1: Yeah, I'm going with. uh You said him just now, uh, Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. You know, he held it down with Spider-Man, and of course, Spawn. Right. Yeah. Huge. Uh, Jeremy Renner. I'm looking forward to. You. That's gonna be great. Gonna be great. And always Stanley. And I'm also curious to see. um Oh, I can't. Which are oh it's uh daniel panabaker from the flash um, okay she's playing killer frost I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers. i really like her in flash so um I and i had no idea she's coming until recently
0: so i think that was just announced either yesterday or the day before oh that's huge yeah. yeah i
1: think that's so cool it's my favorite cw show right there so uh yeah i'm looking forward to those man how about you
0: yeah i think you know billy d williams of course uh, Lando here. We we It's going to be interesting to hear him talk because they're clearly going to ask him about the new Han Solo movie. So I'm hoping to get a little insight from that. Uh, we got Jay Muse and Kevin Smith. They're doing their Jay and Silent Bob Get Old podcast. They're doing a live podcast on Saturday from the Expo. So that's going to be pretty cool. And being podcasters, that's going to be a lot of fun to go and watch. And like you said, Jeremy Renner, Nathan Fillion. Stan Lee, he's coming with Todd McFarlane at the invite of Todd McFarlane. So last year I went to the Stanley panel because this was supposed to be the last time that Stanley ever showed up in Calgary. So I felt that that closure with Stanley last year. And you know, it was great everyone was chanting his name and thank you Stan and clapping and you know he came back out for a small like it was really great to see that that end. And I had that, that kind of that, that finality with Stanley that I was never gonna see this man live again. And I've gotten his autograph. He's been at the Expo like probably like the last three to five years. Yeah. And like, I'm going to go see him, of course. But oh, yeah. I feel like I'm going to have this kind of weird kind of experience where I, I've, I've made peace with that I wasn't going to see him again or hear him speak again. And then the following year, I'm getting that. But he is doing a panel with Todd McFarlane. So it's going to be a good panel to go to. And it really looks like Sunday is the big day for panels because that's when you get Billy D, Jeremy Renner, Stan Lee, and then previously we had, you know, Kevin Smith and that on Saturday night. So it's gonna be a, a really great convention to go to and I'm excited. It's gonna it's gonna cover a lot of the different things that we love from podcasting to Marvel, DC, Star Wars. The cosplay is going to be incredible. The Sunday always has the 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 cosplay awards, which are just great. The time and effort people put into these is just it's so great to to see it live and appreciate it live. And then there's also the floor. Like, that's another big thing I'm looking forward to. Because there's a few things I'm chasing. And one is a couple Black Series figures. Anakin and the Clone Trooper from the first wave. If I ever see Anakin, you'll be the first one to get it. Because I I know how much you want that character. Or that action figure. Oh, and there's a few comic books I'm chasing as well. I'm looking for Guardians of the Galaxy number 25 from the 2008 run. There's some old Thanos back series that I'm trying to fill here. And I'm always, always looking for those great deals. I found in Humans number one and Guardians of the Galaxy number one from the 1970s or 80s run. I can't remember. For like two bucks a piece. There. like this, These are the type of deals that I strive for. I love buying retail. I love getting a good deal. The show floor is always great on the Thursday for getting on there. And just figuring out what you want and finding what you want kind of right away. It's that thrill of the hunt, man. This is one of the most exciting hunts for a collector, I think, is the con hunt.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm I'm chasing, uh, for sure, like you mentioned, Anakin out there. If I find a Yoda, that would be cool, too. I know you pretty much have everything there, so you're pretty much good. Um, The Nightwing, I'm always chasing pre-new 52 Nightwing stories because I'm a big fan of Nightwing from D.C., and uh, just collecting more Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man. I, I have everything from 500 and up. So if I can find anything, you know, from the 300s to the 400s, I'm cool with that. And yeah, that's one of my collection. I, and I just want to bump into some more cool cosplayers because I saw a really cool Jane Foster Thor last year that was phenomenal. Is like my cosplay pick of the year. She looked wicked, just like the comic books. So can't wait to see uh, more of those characters out there.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to be coming back next week and breaking this down a bit along with our Guardians of the Galaxy episode. We're going to talk a bit about what we loved about there and potentially doing a few interviews and kind of airing them. And maybe we're going to try to get together with a few of the guys on the floor and do kind of a, a live podcast where we discuss what we're seeing, what we're liking about the con itself, and what are some of our big finds. So make sure you tune in next week to hear your thoughts on the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo as well as our prelude episode to Guardians of the Galaxy so, that about wraps it up for our Marvel and Star Wars catch-up as well. as Some of the, our anticipation for the Calgary Expo here. If you guys would like to be a part of the show, you can always email us at the at gmail.com. You can comment on our Facebook or YouTube pages. And you can always grab us on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode, and we are always there along with the Commonwealth talking Star Wars, Marvel, and all sorts of nerd news. And make sure to tune in this Friday for our Thor MCU retrospective episode. We're going to be revisiting Thor from 2011 in this continuation of our 18-month look back at the MCU, driving towards a weekend release review of Avengers Infinity War. So I'm really excited to talk about that. I watched it on the plane ride down here, and I have to say, man, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> um yeah, will you hear more of my thoughts on Friday? <laughs> awesome. Cannot wait. So we've got a lot coming at you guys in the next couple of days and we look forward to hearing from you your questions, comments, theories, whatever you have for us, make sure to hit us up on all social media outlets. Alright, man. Well it's been an absolute pleasure talking Marvel, Star Wars, and a bit of the Calgary Expo. For the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast Production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow The Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.